story is told of a millionaire. Millionaire had a unique piece of property. It was two yards wide, a hundred feet deep, and a residential subdivision. Well, he decided that it was time to unload that land. So he went to the neighbor on one side and he said, "Uh oh, will you buy my property?" He said, well, "I really don't want to, but I will." And he made him an offer, and he and the millionaire just exploded and said. That's 25% of what this land's worth. And he stormed out. Do you know what he did? He went to the neighbor on the other side. And the neighbor on the other side said, well, I kind of got you over a barrel. That property is no good to anybody else. And he offered him some money. He said, as a favor, I'll give you a little bit of money for your land. And and it was less than that 25% that the previous neighbor had offered. And he exploded again and walked out. Remember, he's a millionaire. So he did whatever a millionaire would do. He went and got him an architect and a contractor. And he built him a house five feet wide and 90 feet deep. Now, understand, it was only big enough for a little stick furniture to go in there. But the story is told that he moved in there until the day he died. Now, when they were trying to build it, Mike, you'll appreciate this. The neighbors went to the zoning and the code people and tried to get it stopped, but they were not violating any codes. And so he built that house and he moved in it and he stayed there till the day he died. And as the story goes, it was called the Spite House because it stood in memory to his unforgiveness and his hatred and his selfishness. Now I wonder tonight, How many in this room, and I only limit it to this room because nobody else hears this. I wonder how many tonight in this room are living in a spite house of our own making. You see, this thing of forgiveness puts us in a jail like we've never been in if if we haven't forgiven. In fact, I read this week that believers, that would be you and me, have no problem hearing, accepting, and saying we believe the principles of forgiveness. That's all cool. The problem comes when we're expected to apply forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness is one of those things that when we want it, when we've offended somebody and we want it, we want it. Now, amen? On the other side of the coin, when we, have been the, when we are the one who has offended somebody, or when we've been the one uh, who's been offended, and we have to give a forgiveness, we want them... Oh, you've got to wait a little bit. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Give me a chance to cool off. And we use phrases like, you don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know what they did. I don't think I'll ever get over it to mask our selfishness and our unforgiveness. And yet I can say unequivocally that the person whose life is dominated by unforgiveness is a person who is outside of either the faith in Jesus or the fellowship of Jesus.
Forgiveness is where it, the water meets the road. Now, we have read, if you turn back to your scripture, we've read that story tonight that Jesus told about forgiveness. And I'm going to kind of reference that because I want us to get a clear handle on forgiveness because if we're going to be a people who makes a difference, we're going to have to be people who understand forgiveness and extend forgiveness not as a one-time event but as a lifestyle. Some of the things that you're going to hear tonight, you're not going to like. That's all right. Don't like them. But I challenge you to go to the Bible and disprove them. If we're going to understand forgiveness, we need to understand that forgiveness or unforgiveness, this concept does several things in, to, through, and for us. I'm going to mention only three tonight. And again, like I said this morning, it's going to be a very simple message. The first thing forgiveness does, it confuses. It confuses. It certainly did Peter. If you look in our text, Matthew 18 is well known for church discipline. In fact, verses 15 to 20 is where Jesus is telling them how to go to a brother who has sinned against you. A person who has sinned and restore them back into the kingdom. Restore them, not the kingdom, restore them back into the church. And if there's going to be restoration, if there's going to be reconciliation, there's going to have to be both divine forgiveness and human forgiveness. If there's not that, there's not going to be any restoration. You've heard the old adage, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Please listen. Forgiveness is one of those things that we did not get from the pagan culture. In fact, you will not really get it from the Old Testament. The Old Testament does not talk a lot about personal forgiveness. It was not anything a uh, part of that uh, culture at that time. In fact, if you read the Psalms, the imprecatory Psalms, you find that they were pretty tough on the uh, uh, on their enemies. The imprecatory Psalms are those Psalms where they were praying for their enemies. Let me just give this to you. Does this sound like forgiveness when old David wrote? Oppose my opponents, Lord, fight those who fight me. Take your shield, large and small, come to my aid. Draw the spear and the javelin against my pursuers and assure me I am your deliverance. Let those who seek to kill me be humiliated and disgraced. Let those who plan to harm me be turned back and ashamed. And I can go on and on. You see, personal forgiveness was not a big deal back, was not really taught back then. And the truth is, it was not a part of the culture. So it didn't come into the church from outside. Forgiveness comes from God. If we're going to forgive, it is going to be because we have been empowered by the Spirit of God. Now, Peter was confused. We already said that, that Jesus had just talked about restoring a brother. Now, Peter is sitting there probably thinking, if you'll allow me to use my active imagination. Peter's probably scratching his head when he says, you go to that brother and you restore him. And it talks about the three steps. And Peter's probably thinking about that rascal in his life that keeps on doing the same thing over and over. Now, I'm making this up. This isn't scripture. I'm telling you what I'm thinking. And Peter's going, now, wait a second. Am I supposed to forgive somebody? Now's the time to ask. So he says, okay, Jesus, 
How many times should I forgive? Now, Peter thought this out pretty carefully. He said, should I forgive him seven times? Now, you know why he got to seven from? The suggestion is that the rabbinical law said you had to forgive him three times. And so what he did in his thinking, he thought, well, I will double it and add one to it, and I'm going to get a pat on the back. Jesus is going to say, that's great, Peter. But now watch this. Can you see this happening? Peter going, Jesus, all that being said, all that restoration stuff being said, how many times am I supposed to actually forgive my brother? So he was confused. And Jesus is over here, and I can see him. Don't be offended. I can see him crack a smile, and he go, "Ah, not as many as seven times, Peter. Well, I can see Peter over here, and his shoulders going, because I can see Jesus giving it just a little break there. And he goes, hey, Peter, not seven times, 70 times seven. None of us drop our mouths when he teaches that because we know it. We heard it. And yet, let's be, let's be real. We don't want to forgive two times. Much less seven times. And 70 times? Who are you kidding? And 70 times seven? You have lost your mind. And yet, that is the teachings of Jesus. That is, that's the kingdom principle. And it helps us to understand maybe several things. To clear up our confusion, let's talk about several things. First of all, what is confusion? What is uh, confusion? That's what I'm trying to do tonight. What is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? There are a lot of misconceptions about what for forgiveness is. Some people think forgiveness is condoning, saying it's okay. On the other hand, they think that it's condemning it and, and making somebody pay the price. Now, for sin, for breaking the law, there are consequences. But consequences has nothing to do with the forgiveness. I want to make this as simple for us as we can. Forgiveness is us, is me, releasing my right to get even. Doesn't matter what they've done. It's a matter of turning it loose and letting it go. Now, how does that play to us? I dare say that there's some folks, as long as most of you have been in this community, their community, there are some folks, even in this room, that 10, 15, 20 years ago, one of your neighbors did something bad, and you know they did it bad, and honest, honest, you may or may not even remember what they did. But you're still holding it in your heart. You've not ever turned it loose. So that brings us to the question about not just what is it, but when do we give it? When do we give forgiveness? Now some will submit or suggest that we don't forgive until they come to us and ask for forgiveness. I can see some of the biblical basis for that, but if that is the case, Jesus broke his own biblical principle when they put the nails in his hand because he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what to do. And the blood in Jesus' 
vein that poured out on the cross, that blood was available for those soldiers who drove the nails. I just talked to you about some practical things about this. First of all, I'll tell you in my own heart that I measure someone's spiritual maturity by how long it takes them to get to a point where they can forgive. Some of us, we just want to hang on to those ill will for a while because it keeps us warm at night. Makes us feel good. Makes us feel superior. Some of us want to wait until they come to us. But here's what I'm going to tell you. As long as you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, you're in a prison of your own making. And the root of bitterness will develop. The poison like that of a snake will develop. And you'll never be... You will never be what he wants you to be. And when I think about this message, I'm reminded of Psalm 66. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I hold on to malice, is the other word, in my heart, then the Lord will not hear me. You see, when we come to a position of forgiveness, when we come to a position of releasing it, all of a sudden we're out of that jail. And oh, by the way, we deal with it between us and God and let him come in and pour that grace on us. And then we pour that grace on someone else. You know what happens? Then when or if that person comes to us and asks for forgiveness, we're already ready. If we wait till they come for us, I mean, have you ever walked up to somebody and really sincerely, honestly tried to apologize? You said, I'm sorry. Well, you know, I knew sometimes I'd have to forgive you. Hello? Am I talking to people who are already dead? The truth is, is that when we get right on the inside, then we can get right with our brothers and our sisters. And until we write right on the inside, we can't get there. When do we offer forgiveness? My brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't die so you could keep unforgiveness harbored in your heart. He died for us to grant forgiveness in the same way that we've been given forgiveness. And the reason God's people are in so much turmoil is because we reside in so much unforgiveness. And we think it's okay. I'm not going to sit on that side because you know what Virginia did to me. I'm not going to sit over here because you know what Jason did to me. You know what? That hurts the heart of God. And it puts you in a prison. It puts you in a prison that you can't get out of without divine intervention. You see, forgiveness is confusing. We're confused about what it is. We're confused about when to give it. And we're confused about how we give it. And there is only one way that we can give it. And that is when we're empowered by the Spirit of God. Forgiveness is not within you and I. You know, when I look at this story, you know what I'm reminded of? I'm reminded that I am the first slave. I owed a debt. I had no way to pay. I went into a master who could demand everything to my master 
Lord, Savior, that he later became my Savior, the Creator, and there was no way I could pay my debt. And he took his pen, dipped it in the fountain of blood, and wrote across my life, paid in full. Forgiveness confuses us. But the second thing that it does, it confirms us. How we deal with forgiveness tells a lot about who we are and what we believe. We do what we believe. The rest is simply talk. Did you get that? We do what we believe. The rest is simply talk. If we walk in unforgiveness, if our life is a life of unforgiveness, if people see us as unforgiving, it confirms that either we're not in the faith of Christ or we're not in the fellowship of Christ. Let me explain. If we look at our story, we find a slave who owed 10,000 talents. We find another slave that owed 100 denarii. Now watch this. The slave that owed 10,000 talents. Do you know what that translates into denarii? Does anybody in this room know what it translates into denarii? Let me challenge your mind just a second. One talent is 6,000 denarii. Now, I didn't do this in my head, so don't be impressed. I put it on paper in the office, okay? That tells me that the second slave owed 100 denarii, and the first slave owed 60 million denarii. The debt was so huge that he had no hope of ever paying it back. And it was written, paid in full. You see, that first slave received grace, and he received mercy, and he received forgiveness from the master. Do you know we do the same thing when we come to Jesus, and he comes into our life, and he sets us free, and he saves us? Do you know that he has released us from a debt we had no ability to pay. I love that little chorus. He paid the debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sin away. Now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. You see, it is impossible to be in fellowship with God to be in fellowship with your Savior, and to walk in unforgiveness. It's an impossibility. Either you're out of faith, you've never invited them into your life, or you're out of fellowship, and you become like the woman I read about this week. <clears throat> woman <clears throat> went to a, her doctor. She was sick. Didn't know what was going on. The doctor took her blood and everything and all the things that they take. And he came back in, he sat down with her, he said, Ma'am, I don't know where you got this, and I, but I'm sorry to tell you, you have rabies. And they sat there, and they talked a little bit, and he got up, and he left. When he came back in, bringing her whatever she needed, she had a pen and a paper, and she was writing something down. 
And he said, what are you writing down? Are you writing down your will? And she said, no, I'm writing down a few people I'm going to bite. <laughs> you see, folks, the truth is, for the person outside of forgiveness and for the person outside of faith and the person outside of fellowship, all we do is run around and try to figure out who we're going to bite. And yet our Lord tells us to walk in forgiveness. And you know what the truth is? Whether we walk in forgiveness or whether we walk in unforgiveness confirms to this world whether we're his or not. We will never be taken seriously as a church, as a believer, as Christianity until we learn to walk as Jesus walked. Never forget the many examples in the Bible. We can go to the model prayer. We can go to the words right after the model prayer. We can go to several other places in the Scripture where it says, For if you forgive your brothers, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't, He won't. Now, I know that's the watch translation, but that's what it means. Forgiveness is not something that we can just play with. Forgiveness is something we have to live out. And it's not just a one-time event. It goes on and on and on and on. Seventy times seven, and he wasn't talking about 490. But there's one more thing it does, and we're going to be through. Forgiveness confuses. It confirms. But forgiveness also conveys. I want you to hear this very carefully because we think, we think inside the four walls of the church, we think we're fooling everybody. We think that we can talk one way and live another way and people don't know. They're just idiots. They don't know. They can't see through us. But I want you to watch what happened here. I think it's very telling in verse 31. When the other slaves saw what had taken place, people see. They were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. You see, the truth is, the forgiveness that we give or the forgiveness that we withhold is seen by people that you don't know. And the, and the truth is, once again, they can hear your words. They can see your actions. And they can sense or feel your attitude. And they can know whether you're authentic or not. Because you see, the truth is, the world knows that we should be forgiving people. We should be people who embrace one another. We should be people who care for one another. And when one trips and falls, instead of stomping on them and making them feel worse than they already do, we pick them up and we embrace them as opposed to holding on to whatever they did. When we hold on to it, it grows. May I just say this to you? Unforgiveness in a life is not dormant or stagnant. Unforgiveness in a life grows, and it grows until it, it sets down roots in your life, and that root in your life is bitterness. 
Robert E. Lee, shortly after the Civil War, was in Kentucky. And a woman in Kentucky said, uh, General, would you come with me? And she took him out to her old plantation. And out in front of that big house was a grand old tree. She loved that tree. had been there a lot of years, watched it grow. But when the federal soldiers had come through, they had, destroy, they had damaged the tree so badly it was dying. And they had a conversation about she just loved that tree and she couldn't get rid of it. And, and every time she looked at it, it invoked uh, hatred again for the federal uh, troops and for the Union. And she, just, she wanted to know what to do. And she turned to him. She said, General, what should I do? And he looked at her. He said, cut it down. Throw it away and let it go. Here's what I want to ask you today. What tree is growing in your life that you need to cut down, throw it away, and let it go? You see, it's better to turn loose of the past than it is to hold it and let the poison that it brings grow in your life. Have you ever seen someone that every time they open their mouth is poison? I said this before. They may be talking about Michael Pickens today not being the politician that he's supposed to be. And they may be running him down to you. And you know what? Tomorrow they'll be talking to him about you. Because that poison just got to keep flowing. What trees in your life? What unforgiveness do you harbor? Cut it down. If you're going to make a difference. Now if you just want to be one of the boys... If you want nobody to see anything different or unique in you, you just stay right on the path. And one day you'll get home and the Lord won't be able to say well done because, you know, the only way He's going to say well done is if you've done well. But if you want to please Him, you want to make a difference, cut it down. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Let's pray together.